Hey folks, JR, back for another episode of Echoes of Shannon Street Case File. It's going to be episode 76, Island of Jamaica. Folks, we're going to continue along with our follow-up investigation. I believe next episode we'll probably go on and do, or at least begin on Director Holt's uh, big press conference. All right, folks, let's get started. City of Memphis Inner Office Memorandum to Director J.D. Holt, Police Services. Date January 14, 1983. From T.J. Larkin, Manager, Research and Development Bureau. Subject, Possible Identification of Cult Group at 2239 Shannon. Following information is for your review concerning the cult group that was involved in the hostage incident on 111 83 at 2239 Shannon. Must be pointed out that the analysis presented here is based on several factors, which include the conversation between the group leader and the hostage negotiation team, the intelligence data that was developed by the negotiators through interviews with the relatives of those inside the residence at 2239 Shannon, and the information developed through the intelligence units of Atlanta, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Baltimore, and New York. There are strong but unconfirmed indications that the cult in question had similarities to that of the Rastafarians. This is based on the following. The Rastafarians is a group that was initially conceived on the island of Jamaica. There is no time factor available as to how long they have been here in the United States. The group has spread out through the United States in small pockets or cells. There is no specific number of members that may belong to each cell. In some areas of Baltimore and New York, there are large communities of these individuals. While the group originated in Jamaica, members of this cult may be made up of American blacks as well as individuals from Trinidad, Barbados, Cuba, and Latin America. In the United States, the makeup of these cults may be among family members including fathers, sons, brothers, uncles, and cousins. Their physical characteristics that would be noticeable would include their hair, which would be described as unkempt cornrows. They call this matted hairstyle dreadlocks. However, Rastafarians may also wear their hair in in a regular style, depending on the type of job or position they may have. In some cases, they may wear a knit ski cap. The Rastafarians also symbolize themselves through the use of colors. For instance, they have their own flag, which is made up of three colors. One, green, which stands for the center of Africa. Two, yellow, the wealth of the land. And three, red, that the church will triumph. They also have a black star on the flag, which indicates black supremacy. The above listed colors may not only be found on a flag, but may be found in their knit ski caps. 
The cap does not necessarily have to have all three colors, but at least one of the colors will be on the hat. The colors may also be indicated by room curtains, room colors, or a sequence of colors in a room. Again, at least one of the colors would be present. At the present time, this writer could not confirm what colors were in the cult's chapel, or for that matter, in the house. They may also be the evidence of a six-point star that may be located near the chapel, although this is not a prerequisite. Two points of each star would contain the colors green, yellow, and red. The Rastafarians do believe in smoking grass. The cult group on Shannon had this information confirmed about them through talking with relatives. However, they would not take any other form of drug. On the poster that was located on the tree in front of the residence, there was a small Polaroid picture of a yellow vase which appeared to contain a fern. Because of the poor quality of the picture, the fern could have been a marijuana leaf or stem. On the lower left side of the picture was a red piece of wheat. The Rastafarians do believe in smoking grass because it is based on the Bible that they have that they can have herbs. The marijuana is considered a gift of God, and the use of it overrides any man-made laws against its use. The police are also considered the devil because they prevent this group from using their marijuana. During the hostage negotiations, Officer Hester was referred to as the devil. The Rastafarian's attitude is that if a police officer touches them, then the officer should die. The reason is that if a police officer touches them, they will lose their soul. The only way to get their soul back is to kill the officer. While this writer is unclear as to the initial contact between the first responding officers on Shannon Street and the nine cult members, 14 actually, the touching of one of the cult members by a police officer may have triggered this type of action. This is especially important if the touching occurred with a group of the cult's members nearby. In the area of this sect being a religious cult, several points should be brought out. While the cult is similar to that of the Muslims in that they do not like whites, they also do not like the Pope or Catholics. The Rastafarians' belief is that all the world today must go back to the original state of Babylon. This is because today's state is not suited for the black man. They do consider the leader of today's Babylon as the Pope. They do not identify with Christ, and they are stern in their beliefs. Earl Thomas, who is a member of the group, had a girlfriend by the name of Maggie Evans of Warford Street. Negotiation intelligence revealed that he would get angry with the Evans girl when she would go to church. This would support the Antichrist theory, as well as the police being Antichrist. This particular cult was again identified with the assistance of their relatives that they were very much in Bible reading, especially the Old Testament. 
intelligence revealed that most members of the group had been into the Bible for the past three years or more. The Rastafarians were originally an offshoot of the black is black is Israelites, excuse me, or the black Hebrews. These black Hebrews were young street toughs who identified with the Jews of the Old Testament. These black Jews identified Ham as their father, which accounts for the Shedding Street group for not eating pork. The Rastafarians do not eat pork. The question of the leadership of this group has been targeted as Lindbergh Sanders. The noticeable point is that Sanders was 49 years old as compared with his disciples who were all in their late teens or 20s. The Rastafarian cult leader was Halle Selassie. I'm sure I just butchered that name. Who was the emperor of Ethiopia? I wonder. I'm wondering if that's not the same one that was the last uh, president of Ethiopia. I think he was in in power for a long time. If that's the same one, up through World War II. If if it's the same one, but it may not be. The Rastas believed that he was the second Christ when he was crowned king of Rastafaria. When the daughter of Lindbergh, Lucinda, was interviewed, she mentioned that the one person that Lindbergh looked up to and respected was George. George was often called by Lindbergh the Ethiopian. George was the old man that was allowed to negotiate by the walkie-talkie. It is important to note that when George asked the group to give up, there appeared to be a lot of internal dissension among Lindbergh's disciples. Also, it should be noted regarding the symbolic value of the Ethiopian term as used towards George and the cult that worshipped Haile Selassie. The Rastas also used the word Ja, or is that Ha? I don't know how that J is pronounced to describe their God. With the passing of Haile Selassie, the new Rastafarian cult leader was Bob Marley. Marley was a rock music artist that died in Miami on May 12, 1981, of brain cancer. Marley was the Rasta's cult leader because of the type of music that he played known as reggae music or Jamaican rock. This music is similar to that played on WLOK and K97 and would be considered similar to that of disco music. Through the intelligence gathering from relatives, Lindbergh was heavy into music and talk shows. Again, there are similarities. The Rastafarians believed that they are immortal. The Shannon Group did tell Police Dispatcher that they would be here until next week. This group went into a three-day ceremony on Saturday, knowing that the world was going to come to an end on Monday at noon. Having survived past Monday, they may have mentally felt that no harm would come to them. When they told the negotiators they wanted the police to come into the house, again may have psychologically felt that no harm could come to them Again, 
This can enforce the immortal theory. There are some cults that have similarities but are different in some way or another. The groups that are known to call the police devils are the black Israelites, Rastafarians, the Ethiopian Zion Copics, boy, I'm butchering some words, the House is Israel, the Republic of New Africa, and the five presenters, percenters, excuse me. There are a number of black cults that look at Ethiopia as their motherland. Only the Rastafarians emerge as the cult closest to the Shannon Street group. In conclusion, a cult is identified as a system of belief characterized by a great or excessive devotion or dedication to some person, idea, or thing. Obviously, this was the case with the Shannon Street group. There have been other indicators between the Rastafarians and the police in other cities. This information will be submitted in a follow-up report. There are, as indicated, a number of similarities between the Rastafarians and the Shannon Street group. The physical evidence recovered may be able to make this identification more conclusive. Had copies sent to Deputy Chief T. Marshall, Chief Inspector F. Warner, Inspector S.O. Jackson, Captain D. Lewis, and the negotiation file. When I worked in Washington, D.C., that was from 87 to 90, the Rastafarians were a very feared group in Washington, D.C. Supposedly other gangs were very afraid of them because Rastafarians were so violent. In fact, we had a large fight. I guess you could have called it a riot. There were so many people involved, and it wasn't the Rastafarians. It was uh, Louis Farrakhan's people, the Muslims, they wore the suits and the bow ties. That was about an hour, hour and a half mess. And the black Israelites, they come down to Bill Street when I was the night manager at Bill Street and before that when I was the major over the entertainment district unit, which includes Bill Street. The black Israelites used to come down there every Friday and Saturday, and they do a lot of preaching, and it was all violent. It was anti-Semitic and anti-white, and it was something. All right, folks, that's going to wrap up this episode here. We'll be back in a few days, and we'll go on and probably do Director Holt's press conference that may take a couple episodes or so and then we'll come back to the investigation little red square for today that picture was taken by the media that's me and Mickey Williams on on the left I think Mickey was the major in homicide 
remember. Anyways, that, that was at Delta Medical Center at 3000 Get Well. I had a nurse, she was coming into work. She had parked, got out of her car, her ex-husband shot her to death in the parking lot. sad, sad thing. And as you can see from that picture, if you look at it closely, my hair has become gray. Nothing like being a lieutenant in Memphis Police Department. That will certainly invoke some kind of hair loss or hair color change. Alright folks, I appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll get back together in a few days. Till then, I'll see you down the road.